Welcome to the RSP cast. Welcome to the quick game with one Felix Sharp. I'm Mount Waldman. You may realize that I just mentioned a different name there than Mark Schofield. Well, we're, you know, I'll just say that uh, Mark's going on to doing some good things and we're going to be very happy for him when he gets to announce what that is. Um, but, you know, he's got some things in the future that will preclude him from doing this. So I just, you know, I brought in someone who I've wanted to have do more work here, you know, for a while. And I've just been, Mark and I have been so wrapped in, up in doing what I've been doing that I haven't had the chance to do that. But this creates that opportunity. And that's Felix Sharp here. Sharp Review on Twitter, Campus to Canton. Thank you for doing this. You know, this is going to be a fun, this is going to be a fun season with you. Uh, Mr. Waldman, thank you for welcoming welcoming me into your home. You know, I've told you via DM how much I admire your work and how much you're you are an inspiration. Not just your work, but how you carry yourself uh, in the fantasy space. You know, I, I can get a little agitated here and there, and you know, just seeing the calm that you've had uh, for so long, for so long, and I just I, I I've told you this before also that I admire writers because it's difficult. You know, sitting there and, and doing the work of writing is difficult. So you are definitely um, an inspiration to me and an inspiration to us at Campus to Canton. So I'm honored to have this opportunity. And quite frankly, it's just fun talking to you. It's fun talking to you, throwing uh, football back and forth with you, at least uh, uh, figuratively. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, so tell everybody, you know, you've been on a show where we reviewed Jameer Gibbs last year. And we had a good time doing that. But just as a reminder, because we're tell folks a little bit about yourself in terms of your background and anything that you want to share, and especially about campus to Canton, because to me that's like the future of fantasy football. If you if you tell me, and the future seems to be now. <laughs> uh, well, my my let's go to the future. Actually, the future of fantasy football. Campus to Canton is the website. What campus to Canton is is just dynasty fantasy football extended into the college ranks. That's it. That's all it is. And so you have a college fantasy team. And so you can play with Bryce Young and B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, who you just mentioned. And they score points on your college fantasy team. And there's a college championship. So every every uh, league manager has two teams. And when your players declare for the NFL draft, they're added to your NFL roster and it operates like NFL dynasty. And so, you know, you get to trade college players for NFL players. You get to trade uh, college picks for, I mean, it's, it's just a, a lot of fun. Um, as far as my background, uh, I heard you mention it on the show this morning. Uh, I was a, a, a defensive back at Grand Valley State University. That's where Brian Kelly started. He took my head coach, Chuck Martin, to be, I think, first his linebackers coach, and then he went to defensive coordinator. And now my head coach is uh, uh, the head coach at Miami of Ohio. Uh, Brandon Carr uh, was one of, one of my teammates, former chief and Raven and Cowboy. Uh, 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 Brandon so, could play. You know, <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah we knew we knew we knew he could play that he could play then so um uh that's my that's my background after law school after uh college i went to law school and so now i'm a, a practicing lawyer and then we started campus to canton in march of 2021 so we're we're you know not quite at the two at the two-year mark but it's been fun it's been fun providing content and being um a, a a business now in this space it's fun you know you go from talking on twitter to actually um uh providing a service to to customers so 
We're following in your lead, sir. We're well, following in your lead. Well, it's going to be fun because I think for if you want to get better at Dynasty, I can't imagine how you wouldn't do a Campus to Canton League or two because it's only – one, it just sounds like an, an absolute amount of fun. And number two, it just seems like if you want to get better at Dynasty, the, the way to do that is obviously build depth with rookies and you're going to get to exercise those muscles by – you know, just involving them in your in your game with them being at the college level, you're going to get to know them more earlier and earlier. It just dovetails nicely. It does, and so I mean, we're recording this on Thursday night, uh, September first. You know, NFL fantasy players are still waiting. There are games going on right now that that matter in campus to can leagues, and so we're paying attention to Nick Singleton, the freshman at uh, at Penn State. We're paying attention to Hendon Hooker, the quarterback at, at Tennessee. And so we are, we're getting our excitement right now. And think about that during the college football season. I mean, we get to experience that fun on Wednesday night when Maxion comes around. There's always a Thursday night primetime game, all day Saturday, and then Sunday too because it's still, you know, NFL Dynasty Fantasy Football. Yeah, yeah. See, if it, we know that the people who listen to the RSP cast are crazies of the crazies, and and obviously this is just this is <laughs> manna from heaven for them. So, so I am I. I this is going to be awesome. We're going to talk a lot of today with our quick game. We're going to talk about um, Trey Sermon and his landing spot. We're going to talk about you know give you some NFL preview of what we think about. Um, some of these teams and players coming up, as well as uh, I'm going to pick Felix's brain about underclassmen that that he's been keeping an eye on watching that he's excited about that I haven't watched yet. So we're going to get a chance to dig a little bit deeper and talk about some of those guys. And first, of course, you know, in addition to Campus of Canton, there is the RSP um, projections and dynasty rankings that are available um, for download $24.95. You can get it at mountwaldman.com. And it is, you know, complete projections for all pro players by tab for each team who are going to who are on an active roster. I even supply some practice squad and IR information as I get it. Um, give you a, a win now and a um, long build cheat sheet and rankings set up there with some commentary in addition to that. It's updated monthly. You get that through December. And that's available when you purchase it. Within 24 hours, I send access information and then I update you with new access information each time I have a new update. And the final update after December, you'll wait a little bit, but you'll get one in May or June to kind of kick off your, um, you know, your studies for the coming year. So you'll get one more as a kind of a, hey, let me, let me remind you, you want to get this again. You know, so um, that again, available at mattwaldman.com. Of course, there's always the RSP pre-draft and post-draft available for $21.95, my flagship um, publication. And it's, I got honest, that's the best work I do in this space in terms of, in terms of what I put in there. So most of y'all know about that. But let's get started with a guy who I rated very highly, Felix, and didn't work out early on. It was a guy that uh, I thought personally, Trey Sermon, when he went to the 49ers, at first, my first thought was worst possible fit. That's what I had in my pre-draft. Um, Kyle Shanahan, you know, very, um, has a, a committee of backs, goes back to his daddy who he, you know, got a chance to see in action a lot, who seemed to also have a lot of backs in, in the carousel um, when he didn't have a great one. And then I changed my mind because I thought, well, John Lynch traded up for him. And maybe that with Trey Sermon, they're going to run more inside. 
maybe they're going to do a little bit less on depending on just a speed back where you know it seems like Kyle did a lot of work with those you know with speed backs where it's like just hit the hole hard you know <laughs> just get out there don't think about it don't do that kind of thing don't make the cut back too often you're going to get creases just just hit it as quick as you can and Sermon isn't that kind of back and you could tell that Sermon was kind of overthinking it this summer as he was trying to learn how to run to the what their specifications were and it and it just didn't work out they cut him and he's in Philly so let's talk about Philly what do you think about the fit for him you know what's our what should our realistic expectations be for Sermon at this stage that's a good question I think that anytime a running back you know if he's going to get on the field which we don't know that that's a um uh, a guarantee but if you're a running back playing with a dual threat quarterback a quarterback who occupies linebackers those guys always uh open up holes for your running game because of that fact because you know the linebackers actually have to 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 um, stay honest with with their reads and so i don't you broke it down excellently uh this morning with your with your your show breaking down sermon I, I don't own, I don't have any sermon. He wasn't a player that I gravitated towards. It's guys like Matt Waldman who, when you know, when they release their rankings and Skylar Thompson or or Nick Chubb or uh, Trey Sermon is at the top, it makes you rethink. Sermon wasn't a guy that I was I was there with, and so yeah. um, it, you know, he he just he just he just wasn't there with with me now. Is I don't know if Kennedy Brooks is still uh, in, in Philly with him, but now the former Oklahoma backfield mates are back together. Um, and I know that you're very high on Kennedy Brooks. He compared him to Terrell Davis, so it's it's funny. I don't know what it is with draft capital and these Shanahan running backs. It's always the guy. It's always Mike Anderson, Orlandis, Airy, you know, uh, uh, Clinton. Well, Clinton Portis got draft capital, but but uh, and even Elijah Mitchell. Um, for some reason. They, they find guys um, who with lower draft capital or no draft capital uh, do well in that system, in that wide zone system. So I just – I don't know that he's going to get the actual opportunity there in Philly. I don't I don't know that, that he is. He's probably – if you have him on a dynasty team, he's probably at the very least a hold. And if – you know, it, uh, and, but, if, but if like if, if Jalen Warren is out there, probably dropping him for for him so um i i don't know i don't know I, you might be more optimistic than i am well i love it because see i asked see i initiated felix right now because everybody knows that trey sermon was a favorite of me and it's the first question i ask you right off the bat we ask you a tough one but it's but i'm glad that you're i mean it's it's good uh what were things that you weren't high on about sermon because obviously people know what i think but what what you obviously if you look today you're more right than i am about Sermon in yeah. terms of what's going on. So what was it about him that you were like, eh, I'm not so, uh, it, what, I'm not going to get any shares of him. I think that the thing that, that um, and he was productive at, he was productive at Oklahoma, but um, I, I, there are a lot of productive coll collegiate running backs. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I can necessarily put my finger on it. Definitely at Ohio State, you know, I think we saw something that, uh, that we didn't see at Oklahoma, but you were the, kind of the only one who was out there saying, this is the guy, right. you know? And so I guess that also stood out and made us, you know, go and look, relook at, at what it is that we saw from, from Sermon. Um, 
But I, I don't know. I think I'm the type of analyst that I kind of know it when I see it. You know, Ramondre Stevenson, who I think that we'll talk about later on, he was one of those guys that, you know, I get excited about. And just Sermon just wasn't one of those guys for me. He just wasn't. That makes sense. And, yeah, for me it's interesting because when you look at Philly, my, my recommendation for him will be about the same as you, which is that he's a hold at best. You know, at right now, and when you look at the Eagles' performance last year, you know, I just, you know, when you talk about their their zones, their their running scheme, they run a lot of inside zone, which is better for Sermon if he's to get on the field. They ran it 121 times last year. They were ranked second in the league in the amount of attempts that they had running inside zone. Um, they were third in their in terms of their EPA per attempt. Um, this is according to what Ben Solak put out on Twitter. Um, at the end of the year or put on, on at the ringer at the end of the year. Um, and they really didn't run a lot of zone read. They didn't, there was a lot of running independent of Jalen Hurts of Jaylen being Hurts. the threat, you know? So that's, it's kind of cool. The QB designed attempts 55 um, total. Now that's ranked second, but it wasn't as much as you would possibly think. They also were a very diverse run game because they ran power and counter um, you know, they ran outside zone and stretch, not as much as they ran inside zone. They had direct, you know, handoffs out of center. Um, you know, they ran 11, 12, 13 personnel, um, and at a fair amount, it was really diverse and spread out. So, but their go-to is probably that inside zone game. And that does benefit Sermon to an extent, and it may benefit him where he gets his chance is this, and it's a big if, because he just gets out of San Francisco. Obviously, his um, mindset has been, how do I adjust to running outside zone the way they want me to? And I'm overthinking it because I'm not used to doing it, and it shows on the field a little bit. Is his mindset screwed up from that? When you're asked to have to do that, now you're under pressure to try and keep a job, and, and you've been used to being right. successful, and now you're starting off on a team where they've got you, they picked you off basically off of the waiver wire and you have a lot to prove and they may just look at you as a backup. Like maybe you can play special teams for us. Maybe he can be a reserve. I mean, the fact that they added him to the active roster over LeMichael Pirine, who they put at a practice squad spot, does tell you that they, they value him a little bit more. And Pirine's had more experience actually playing than the, in the NFL than, than Sermon has. So there's some, that tells you that there's probably some level of regard that their scouts saw him and felt like that there was a little bit more there. Um, but, the, but the thing is, is you look at Miles Sanders and as well, he gets a lot of criticism from fans and he certainly has his decision-making gaffes at times because he tries to out-athlete people. He played pretty well. Um, and there's some things, and with that line, he does a really good job on their outside stretch plays or zone plays, and that's great. So you wonder if Sermon is going to be that inside compliment where they may look at guys like Gainwell, who's not a big guy, and, and mm -hmm. had trouble adding weight while he had that year off from Memphis, and you didn't see him really grow into that big guy. And then Boston Scott, who's a favorite of mine, but... Again, he's he's a little on the shorter side and may never get any bigger than what he is. And they maybe they feel like they want a back who can give you that Jordan Howard kind of um, touch profile and that Sermon might be that guy and maybe be able to grow into it a little bit more if they just let Miles Sanders walk in the coming year. Um, 
and and then they, they might have somebody that they can work with and give them a chance. But the two big things of getting used to the scheme um, and not overthinking and gaining this confidence while convincing the team that he's more than just like a backup, those are two big ifs. So, you know, when you look at my talent profile on the guy, understand that they may see that, but they're also looking at what have you done for me lately? And lately he hasn't looked like a back that um, hasn't had the showcase or anything to look like a back that they would be like, we're going to let him compete directly with Miles Sanders. Though it is fascinating that as soon as he was added, that Miles Sanders started practicing um, this week in full pads <laughs> and he had been out and they didn't know when he'd be ready to go um, with a hamstring. Yeah. So there was that there's enough to that like I could wet people's whistle and say there's hope, but I don't want to go too far with that. I think from a fantasy perspective, you're absolutely right. You just he's a hold at best. Take it one step at a time. If he gets start opportunities to be on the field like a Spencer Ware or a Nick Chubb or somebody who seemed to be buried early on in their career, and then suddenly they start to get the opportunity to play and they play well for a series of snaps. Next thing you know, he's getting um, reps in the second quarter or in the second series of a, of a game. Then you should get excited about the guy because then that means that the team likes what they see and they feel like he can contribute. But right now, I think they're evaluating whether he can. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem that the, that the Philadelphia Eagles are necessarily um, happy with miles sanders play all the time i mean bringing in kenny gainwell saying that he's going to have a role they use boston scott it seems like they're they're looking for consistency from that position that they don't see and and necessarily see in sanders yeah and i think that's exactly it i mean you look at someone like jay moyer who who does some really good film breakdowns on twitter and yes. he, and we've talked about miles sanders and how he he can run into his own blockers he tries to bounce things yeah. outside too often um, you know, he, he's a terrific athlete, but necessarily the, the discipline and concepts of, of being able to, to set up blockers isn't quite there. And what's interesting is Miles Sanders would probably be a very good fit in the 49ers scheme because it's like, put the, you know, here's the crease, run towards that, make the most of what's there. And if, and that's, and it seems like the guys like the Tevin Coleman's, the, the Jarek McKinnon's, those types of guys tend to be very good fits for what Kyle Shanahan covets. They covet those guys because it's kind of like, don't overthink it, just hit it hard. I mean, the fact that you even call Elijah Mitchell Drano is like a, mm -hmm. it's a compliment, but at the same time, you kind of go, it, it, you know, you when you put Tevin Coleman in Atlanta at first, he had trouble in ways with certain plays. They had to give him gap plays um, to just say, just focus on this one crease. Don't try and set things up. Don't look for the cutback. Whereas you're watching Trey Sermon two weeks ago or three weeks ago in Minnesota, and his first thought on a lot of these outside zone plays is you could tell he's worked on it, but like there he'd see a linebacker and he'd see the leverage and he'd immediately slow down to make the cutback, realize that he shouldn't do that and continue forward because it was almost like ah I, you know like i'm overthink you know i'm rely i'm it's game time and you're like not thinking you're 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 reacting to what you've practiced for years as opposed to what you've been practicing for months and i think that that's that's a tough part but if he's running more inside zone he might be a little bit better off if he can unlock that so 
So yeah. So let's talk. Let's move on and talk about the Patriots' offense. You know, there's it. It seems like the media is all about you know that the apocalypse is coming. You know, the with Matt Patricia running this offense and everybody thinking about what happened in Detroit. And, you know, then you see the preseason game against the Raiders and it looked like the team had some moments that were really, um, you know, that they seemed kind of lost with what to do on certain plays. Um, do you expect this to be, what do you expect the key drivers of this unit to make it sink or swim in New England? Um, and where do you think, there are some hopeful spots there. I know Stevenson seems to be one of those guys, you know, for sure. Well, I mean, Matt Patricia, let's th think about what his background has been. It's been um, defense, offensive line. Josh McDaniels was with the Patriots for 16 years, and there has to be a, like a certain chemistry and timing with play calling. I think that that's why we see Cliff Kingsbury – um, having uh, Kyler Murray call plays so so that they can be in the, in sync, and so but not only does McDaniel's leave for Oakland, but he also he took three assistants with him. So I've heard you say this before, you know, uh, or compare um, the NFL workplace to our traditional workplaces. So what if in my professional uh, career, like one third of a department just left? And, you know, how yeah. how great would that department operate for a little while with just new people, you know, who might even be familiar with what the job entails? It probably wouldn't be great, at least at at, at first. So um, that 16 years of, of experience is gone. We know Matt Patricia's background. Joe Judge, who it sounds like they might alternate play calling. Um, Joe Judge, he's a special teams coach. So, um, so you know that's what we're that's what we're dealing with, and and quite frankly, if we had to think about the Mount Rushmore in the last five years of of coaches who were fired and didn't seem to mesh well, personality wise <laughs> with their players, with their uh, with their personnel, I mean Matt Patricia would be right up there. Uh, Joe Judge would, would probably be not on the Mount Rushmore, but he would be close. But, I mean, you know, when Patricia was let go, current NFL players sell – I mean, when do you see – they celebrated his firing. You never see that. A'shaun Robinson, Darius – I'm a Lions fan, so you can tell that this uh, this scarred me. Um, <laughs> especially, especially with – there had to be a stark contrast between Jim Caldwell and, and, Matt, and Matt Patricia. So – it, that chemistry, that timing, you know, it, regardless of his managerial style, they still need to get it to get it down. Um, and it's going to take reps just like anything else does, just like anything else does that takes reps. But, I, you know, in that offense, I'm st I, I know that traditionally they have used a running back by committee, but I just think that Ramondre Stevenson is a very talented player in several aspects. Is is I mean he's a bigger back. I remember you. He can break through tackles. I remember you posted a uh, a video of him running through a defensive tackles wrap against Texas Tech, I believe, yeah. coming out of, of Oklahoma. Um, but he's but you wouldn't think that for a player his size that he would be able to catch the ball as naturally as he does. And so if I was Matt Patricia or Joe Judge, whoever's calling plays there, I mean I would 
I would probably build around him. I don't know that they're necessarily going to do that. But that's what I would do. I think that he's one of the more talented players on that offense. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think, and Damian Harris is no slouch. He's just like that. I've, I've joked that he's like that Mason Dixon line for what a what a a dependable starting running back is. Like, there's guys that you'll go, well, there's better in the league, but then you think, well, there could be a whole lot worse too. But he doesn't unbelievably excite you in the way that Ramondre Stevenson has, you know, that size and that juice to to really break tackles and like you said the soft hands so it it is fascinating that and he's continued to get better at his craft i mean when you think about mm -hmm. the idea that he came from a juco situation running for 2000 yards he arrived in like the 250s in terms of his weight got down to the 230s by the draft and now he's like under 230 i think he's more like 220 you know, maybe a little less than that, which tells you this guy's working at what he wants to do and has a goal for how he wants to do it. Well, coming out of the Las Vegas area, Las Vegas area, didn't even play that first year out of high school because either academics or an injury, then goes to the JUCO, then has to go to Oklahoma. His last year at Oklahoma, he suspended the first six game because of, of something that happened in the bowl game. I mean, this is, and then you're right, like his weight had been an issue. We, th we thought that he was going to go to the combine and weigh in at like 247 or something like that. So this is someone who has shown growth, who has shown growth in, in, in May, at least from the outside looking in. So maybe he is one of these players who is going to continuously get uh, better at, at his crap because he's come through a lot of adversity. He's come through a lot of adversity already. Yeah. And I think it's a, I think it's a great point when you talk about growth and the guys who, who continuously embrace, embrace growth in, at that level of competition tend to be the ones who do do the best. So so I'm with you on that end. I mean, the offense scares me, and I like Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I, I look at who they added. You think about Devontae Parker, and he has grown in his his approach to what he did, but where he came from and where he is now, it's kind of like if you were saying that like he came in and he was like, you know, Justin Jefferson or, um, you know, or even even Deontay Johnson and said, you know, and then he's grown from there. I'd be really excited about Devontae Parker. But to me, it was it, Devontae Parker grew from an immature place in terms of his understanding of how to work to a, a mature place. And he's looked great in camp. That's what they've said, that he's he's been a star of camp. You could say the same thing about Nelson Aguilar. And that he's also been a, a big time um, performer in camp and has really impressed. So there's some there's some speed there. If Mac Jones has improved his arm strength, and that's something that Tom House has talked about. And I think I don't know if he's worked with Tom House, but I know that Tom House talked about Mac Jones this offseason um, and said that you know it would be very easy for Jones to to to. Um, address his arm and deliver it with more deliver the ball with more velocity and if he can do that and take another step then that's good if it's more just kind of you know you know basically trainer speak to try and attract more clients which i tend to sometimes wonder about you know how much of this is look uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and tell the media that no someone can't because then 
um, then that's that's going to lower business for me. Now that's the cynical <laughs> side I'm taking, but mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I would think Tom House with all the clientele that he gets that he wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I agree. So I'm kind yeah. of more I'm kind of more on the side of that that Mac Jones can do that. But can the can the the coaches manage an offense to to help put these guys in the best situations possible? And with the new adjustments that they have, will those adjustments mesh well enough without it going south quickly? So that's that's going to be fascinating. So what about teams that you think have done the most to help themselves this offseason? Yeah, and I was thinking about this. I think I have to put Miami um, at the top. We know about the, the, the splashy signing of Tyreek Hill, but adding Tariq Armstead to that offensive line is um, – something that has to be uh, uh, a benefit to, to two. I mean, if he's going to be holding the ball to to throw the ball deep. Um, but then there's the, also the, the culture shift with adding uh, Mike McDaniel, um, who seems to be more of a, a, a player's coach. And, you know, he's coming from that Shanahan coaching tree, which seems to have had – I mean, you, this is anecdotal, but it seems to have had some success – with with uh, Sean McVay, Matt Lafleur, even I mean, if we're thinking about the Mike Shanahan coaching tree, Gary Kubiak, so um, I would probably put as far as a team that has helped themselves, uh, I would put Miami up there. Um, but it's it still depends on on whether or not Tua Tagovailoa is going to be able to put it all together. It seems like they are. They're they're trying to do everything they can to see if he is the quarterback that we thought he was. You know, when he won that national championship game and came in for Jalen Hurts. So um, I, I gotta have I gotta have Miami right up there at the top. Yeah, I'm with you with Miami. I think if there's a player on that team that maybe has it's fascinating because I love the the pairing of of Waddle and Hill. It's it's going to be so much fun to watch. I think even if they don't turn out to be like record-breaking type of players with Tagovailoa, we'll see whether Tagovailoa is is able to really maximize his skills with them. I would think he can. Um but even if it doesn't happen, I think you're going to see that that it's going to still be a very strong unit. And like you said with Armstead, which is a great observation, to me Raheem Mostert is a is a value right now just because everyone's talking about chase Edmonds and I like chase Edmonds, mm-hmm. but we know that if Mostert's healthy, he's the most explosive runner they have. He's the most experienced in this offensive scheme. And he's probably the most sophisticated runner of the two in, in what he does, but he, no one wants to trust him health wise and age wise, but he's, but at the round that you can get him, like you can get him like after round 15 and so many drafts that it's like, why wouldn't I take a shot on that? Um, and so the guy who I think is the biggest like upside downside trap door type of player, and I want to know what you think about it, is Mike Jacecki, just because Jacecki, the benefit is, is your defense has to be preoccupied with the two fastest receivers in the league. Um, yeah. who are extremely skilled and can do pretty much anything you want them to do. But at the same time, so he should get a lot of love there, but at the same time, he's not the he's not the quintessential he's a glorified fit. wide receiver. Yeah. yeah, he's a glorified wide receiver, and the tight ends in that scheme are going to have to block on these wide zone runs, and can he do that? I mean, he's yeah. what playing under the franchise tag, right? So it seems like they have a question as to whether or not he can be a fit in that game. 
in that state. Yeah. For all of the athleticism that Mike Gusecki has and all of those guys who've, who've come from Dwight Galt and, and, and that Penn State uh, uh, athletic conditioning system, yeah, he might not be a, a fit for that scheme. Because that that's what's great about George Kittle is the fact that he is both. He is the receiver. He is the tenacious blocker. And we don't know that Mike Gusecki is. But I don't – I don't know if he's been asked to do that at Miami, so we don't know if if he can. But I mean, it's it's a system that has produced that has done well for for tight ends. But um, no, you're you're right. I don't. We don't know if he's if he can um, do the things that they're going to going to ask of him. But we're going to find out. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because like Durham Smythe was the guy that they used to to block, whereas Jacecki he seemed to me like that guy that. When you watched him as an athlete, is there anything to this, do you think, where you get guys who are kind of high-cut athletes where they got that, you know, the waist is kind of high, long legs, and they, like, he can jump, he has great reach, he's very um, coordinated in terms of upper body movement, but when you ask him to, like, move gracefully in a short area, it when it applied to the football field instead of workouts, he always looked awkward to me and it may be the, uh, the, the illusion of awkwardness, but it just seemed like asking him to like make efficient moves that are going to help you and do it quickly and be explosive with it. It just never seemed a part of his game, which lends itself very much to blocking yards after the catch being, you know, in terms of open field running certain types of routes that you run. Cause he's used a lot on the seam routes. He's used a lot as a, you know, on play action or fades where it's using your height and being like a power forward at the, you know, you know, kind of thing where you may not be, a, you know, whereas opposed to being a guard who might be able to drive the lane, you know, and being and but being a power forward where maybe you don't have those level of skills in that short area explosion, you know, you may be more, you may be graceful, but you're not like, um, unbelievably explosively coordinated and efficient to make those moves. And I, and I wonder if his body type has something to do with that. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, <laughs> no, I think, I think, I mean, I couldn't put any better than you had. You did. Okay. No, I, I couldn't. I honestly couldn't. Then that's just a bad question on my end. So let me, let me, <laughs> but, but let's move on and we'll talk about, um, who, who do you, what, which team you think's hurt themselves the most this off season? Yeah. After giving this some thought, I mean, it's definitely the Chicago bears. So, um, and kind of by doing nothing, uh, they've hurt themselves the most. So they have a pass blocking grade of 18th, according to PFF and Justin Fields, at least coming out of college, it seemed that his flaw was holding on to the ball too long. I remember, um, uh, Jordan Reed of then of the draft network and now of uh, ESPN kind of pointed out that it seemed like he was a perfectionist because, you know, he would see the read that the, the receiver would be open and he would still hold on to the ball for a second. So, I mean, they had two second round picks. The Bears did Wondell Robinson on the board, George Pickens, Sky Moore all on the board, and they went um, defense. And I just think about some teams that have tried to cover um, their quarterback's weaknesses. Like with Josh Allen, after that first year, they went and got um, uh, 
uh, Stephon Diggs. They went and got Cole Beasley. They went and got a veteran in Emmanuel Sanders. Think about going back a little bit with Cam Newton. They said, hey, we need to surround Cam Newton with kind of bigger, longer wide receivers with Calvin Benjamin and Devin and Devin Funches getting Greg Olson. Like, let's surround him with those types of guys. Um, even even with Lamar Jackson, like you could tell that they had a plan, like they knew that we're going to be seeing a whole lot of uh, uh, heavy boxes. And so we need some speed on the outside that can take ad- advantage of that. And so they go get Marquise Brown. I just, I don't see the plan with what the Bears are doing to compensate f- for Justin Fields' weaknesses or emphasize his strengths. Going back to, um, to the Bills, they're still looking to uh, uh, help Josh Allen. They go get James Cook out of uh, uh, to, to be an asset out of the backfield. He's a player that's going to help you make some easy throws and have some um, completions. Like we know that those first couple of, of plays in, in um, your offensive plays are scripted. I mean, I bet you we're going to see James Cook be involved on – some of those scripted plays with screens and getting mis- mismatches out of the backfield so that that Josh Allen can get in rhythm. I don't see that kind of plan for what the Bears are doing with Justin Fields. And he's a player that I'm a fan of. I mean, I also often go to the storylines behind these players. We might not have had a 2020 college season without Justin Fields, yeah. who started the 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 let's pay the let's play campaign it was kind of the face of that during the pandemic and uh you know i'm just i'm just worried that he is not going to get um kind of the the shot that he deserves with a team that has a a plan to surround him with with talent um to make life easier for him so it's it's the bears for me yeah i think that's a man that's such a fantastic answer too and to talk about the contrast between them and the Bills, I couldn't think of a, a better one there. We're going to move on because I want to. I'm excited about asking you about some of these players who I have on this list of rookies. We got Romeo Dubs who showed out in camp, Isaiah Pacheco who got a lot of love in the fantasy community because a he's fast and and Andy Reid seems to take his. He's a guy who takes a chance on on lower round talent as well at the running back position and isn't afraid to give them a shot. Um, Kate Otten, uh, you know, the, the Washington tight end who's who impressed in training camp, um, maybe hasn't shown up in preseason games at a high level, but he's impressed in training camp for the Buccaneers. Damian Pierce obviously is on the lips of everybody's, um, you know, <laughs> thoughts about what to do with him because they cut, they cut and put um, Marlon Mack on the practice squad. And then George Pickens, who, of course, might be the darling of the wide receivers, um, not only pre-draft, but also now post-draft with what he's done. Who excites you on this list short-term and long-term? Uh, it, it could be the same person. It's one. It's one, It's either George Pickens for both, or it's uh, uh, Damian Pierce short-term and George Pickens long-term. Um, jo- George Pickens was by far the most highly touted recruit and I'm sorry, I'm going, but it, most highly touted recruit. out. He's a five-star wide receiver, you know, produced, uh, had a very good freshman season before having a down um, uh, sophomore season. So it's, it's George Pickens for me. Um, that's who I like. I, you know, 
I think the track record for players with Damian Pierce's draft cap- capital isn't great. That said, he might get the opportunity. It looks like he is going to get the the opportunity, but definitely for me, and I I feel like if you put this on a poll, it it might be George. I mean, I think George Pickens would run away with it, but I'm interested to hear hear your thoughts. I think it would be too. I don't think that's yeah, even yeah. close. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you, you know, I mean, just because he the 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 now I'm going to profile some things that I think are like the positives and the dangers of each. I think that might be kind of a fun thing to do because when you look at Pickens, the positive obviously is he can, he's so acrobatic. He's so fast. He's so physical. He seems like a Steelers receiver through and through in terms of what you would look for, you know, especially with the way he blocks. Um, You know, he's got that edge to him. He plays with that edge. But Can I say something about that? He, He only does that when it's man coverage and the play is running away from him and obviously a corner is in the back pedal. So he's learned like this cheat code to how to push these. He Listen, when the NFL season, he's going to be one of these players that ignites a Cortland Sutton in somebody because the, we are – I'm, I'm a former defensive back, and I'll tell you, that happened one time. It's it's I, I don't think we're going to be seeing all these things where he's pushing uh, – uh, cornerbacks over he's going to be getting into fights see i love that i love that too because the guy who the guy who was a master at that was d eskridge actually you know oh, really? did you, uh, you need you, i need to send you some d eskridge tape because d was like masterful at he like if he were a lawyer he would probably be able to get jurors disqualified just with the way that he could psychologically play with people in in his courtroom because what he would do he would play to the edge at the just at the whistle to where he was getting physical repeatedly just enough that the official wouldn't call it but you could tell it was a little too long to that echo of the whistle and it would get under the nerves of the cornerback and he would do that and then talk trash at the same time until the defensive back got angry with him and he would time it perfectly knowing where that limit was. So the minute yeah. that the defensive back was about to go, okay, I've had enough. He would pull the, put the brakes on and then the defensive back would get, would get um, assessed. And then he would just play a regular game through the rest of the game. Now he was a good blocker too. And he would use his hands great because he was a former DB. So he would yeah. get in there and do that. So it's interesting that you talk about that with Pickens because it is, that's that's a great point. It, that it was, if that's all show and a lot of that was because I didn't notice a lot of the blocking with him from what I studied on tape, but I kept seeing these replays of him taking people to the sideline. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's manufactured on his end. So yeah absolutely okay absolutely it's well, fluff well i'll tell you what another part of his game that can be a little bit of fluff too that might be a concern is that he is acrobatic but he had to create a lot of difficult catches because he put himself in difficult position to win the ball there were times that it, you know you want to see you want to see receivers box out defenders on those vertical routes where they can get position early enough and leap early enough so that the they can separate from the defender and jump straight up and down. And you see a lot of those plays that he runs where he's caught the ball and you see him diving backwards, opening his chest up to the DB. He's And I just think that I'm waiting for him to face like a quality NFL starter where his timing is not on point because I think he's going to have... He's going to get a rude awakening from defenders who once they realize like they did with Chase Claypool that 
we can't stay hang off this guy and not expect him to catch a ball at the boundary like he's going to make the acrobatic play. I've got to be on him from beginning to end. And when they did that with Claypool, his numbers started to, to dwindle. I think with Pickens, he's going to get tested, and we're going to have to see whether he's continued to grow his game to where he can make the catch look easy like Chase um, Jamar Chase or Stephon Diggs, who when they separate and they jump back to the ball and perform the jump back on the vertical or on the fades that are underthrown, they go up, straight up and down, backs to the defender. Defender has to play through them rather than opening up their body. And if Pickens does that, I think the sky's the limit for him. If he doesn't, he may have a little bit of um, um, work to do. Pierce, I'm with you short term. Sounds great. Um, to me, I kind of thought of like a Tim Hightower. If everybody remembers Tim Hightower, who was okay. a Shanahan back, who could do everything well, get out of Liberty. Um, I think it was Liberty, if I remember correctly, who who could do everything well. Um, um, but he's not extremely fast. Um, good cutback runner, powerful, great hands, great hand-eye coordination. Um, but, you know, getting getting the kid out of North Carolina for their offensive line, that's helpful. Is it going to be the solution to their run game? I still think it's a work in progress probably right now. So, you know, I'm with you that I think it'll be good, but is he a guy that's always going to be looking over his shoulder to be the main back, or is he going to be a career contributor who can give you great production? And I think we're in that question mark zone. Otten, Otten surprised Tampa this year with his blocking. They, you know, I thought he had great leverage as a blocker. He would move guys. He seemed to know when to shift his frame at the right point to take the defender where the defender wanted to go and then just continue to drive him out of the play, you know, even bigger guys in the trenches. And I think he's doing that in practice, and they were shocked by that because they're like, we need him in our, in our um, conditioning program for a year, and we think he's going to add more weight and he'll be ready to do it. But he's already holding up in the trenches right now, and we know he can run routes. It, so I'm, I'm excited about him for a year if he can get on the field early for Brady, but is he going to get on the field early? And then next year, who's going to be throwing on the football? So it's kind of like, I like the player, not don't love the situation. Pacheco to me is a, you know, he's a promising player. And But I wasn't, when everyone was getting excited, they're like, well, you liked him, you talked about him, you're showing your stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't think he's overtaking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't even think that he may even be overtaking their second back, whether that's going to be Jones or... Uh, um, McKinnon, you know, I don't. I got to remember who got cut. If they either of them did, I didn't look with Kansas City yet. Do, do you know? Was it? it no, I that? don't. I'm going to look right now. Okay, but while that, you know, but Pacheco was, you know, Pacheco to me was a guy that I love the hands. I think he ran gap plays really well. And what fascinated me late in the preseason that may be worth noting short term and maybe long is that the Chiefs did run tend to run more zone with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They've run some gap in recent years, but they've run they ran gap plays with Pacheco at the end of the preseason. And when the team decides that they've got a player who they're evaluating and they give him what his strengths were, and everybody knew that his weaknesses were maybe the decision making on zone plays a little bit, being a little hesitant and they're giving them some of his strengths in the lead-up to you know the final preseason game, maybe they're going to have some packages for him to let him play to his strengths. It's no guarantee, but if that happens, he may be more relevant than we think. And, and they did keep all for it. 
Edwards, Hilaire, McKinnon, uh, Pacheco, and Ronald Jones. So that tells you they're not quite sure. They're they're probably not quite sure about Pacheco, but they're they might give him a few chances and see because this is what Reed did when he had spent. You know, I think we talked about Spencer Ware. He had Spencer Ware, and he had the kid. Oh, I'm trying to remember the kid that he had. Um, but he. He Nile, to, Davis? Nile Davis. Nile Davis. Before, Davis. Yeah, but it was another one, another guy. Um, Gray, not Cyrus Gray. Um, I don't remember who it was, but he had a late round kid along with um, uh, with him with um, where, and they platooned them, um, and then and they plat- they did a three man platoon, and then where started to take over from there. I remember when they used to do three man platoons. With Brian Westbrook, Carell Buckhalter, and Deuce Staley, and then they used to do three man, and he would do. He's done three man platoons a lot. He did them with Daryl Williams, Damian Williams. He did, you know. And then when whoever starts to play well over the couple weeks, then he starts to give that guy more looks, and that seems to be a pattern with Andy Reid um, led systems. And so if that happens, we don't know who it's going to be, but if if Pacheco starts to show. We know that Andy Reid doesn't mind going, I don't care about draft capital. I care about what's happening right now, and he's handling it, so we're going to give him more until he shows that he can't. Um, and then the final guy is Dubs, who, listen, to me it was like you watch the same thing, at the positioning at the catch point. Everything with his game before that is like first, second day pick kind of material in terms of speed. After the catch, he can make some good catches. But when it came to like position himself at the catch point on vertical routes that he had to be contested in that go well with NFL, I was concerned about him because his hands positions, how he fought the ball, where he positioned himself, it it didn't get it didn't chain together well for him to like put it all to get to put it all together to make a successful play in those conditions as consistently consistently as you'd like to see in the NFL. And when I watched him in San Francisco in the in the first preseason game, he fought the ball in a couple of situations. And he also had a difficult he had an interception where he had a ball ripped away from him because he didn't position himself in a great spot. I I, I like the idea of him long term. I do wonder about him short term as him, you know, he's gonna get his chances in terms of reps, but I wouldn't be surprised if what Aaron Rodgers said in in training camp which was like every day he seems to make a big play and then by the end of the preseason he's like these young guys are gonna have to stop making mistakes and he didn't mention Mm -hmm. anybody by by name but the fact that he's like okay now we've got to get everybody on the same page with reading coverages and and knowing what i want them to do and that part of the game is Devontae adams talked about um this week or, or this um this year um, when he was with the Raiders in an interview with former DB, who I can't remember his name, great DB, but he 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 talked about the biggest adjustment for him wasn't the athletic part. It was the mental aspect of the game and being on the same page with the quarterback and doing it quickly and not making any mistakes. And I think that it's natural that any rookie is gonna, who's at playing wide receiver is going to be thinking and swimming a little bit when they start to experience coverage looks that they haven't seen in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I think that people know this, but I mean, you know, you could have a route that changes based on what the coverage is and you're supposed to see the same thing. I mean, you know, you could have a route route where you're supposed to either stop if it's one coverage or continue across the field or if it's another. You could have a route. We used to call it choice at Grand Valley State. Essentially, if if you had man press man coverage, that was a go. If you had off man coverage, you essentially ran like a comeback route. And that's just 
things that you're supposed to just know and everyone sees the same thing. And so if you're not seeing the same thing, well, that's the mental aspect of the game that Devontae Adams is talking about. Yeah, and it's a great point because, and then when you add in the layers of what the NFL will do, because then you have defensive backs who will bait, try and bait the quarterback um, pre oh, yeah. and post snap oh, yeah. in ways that they're more oh, yeah. successful doing than they are in, in the college game. You know, I mean, think about Ed Reed and what he was able to do way back in the day. When you can trick Brady and Manning because you were athletic enough to make it look like that you were leaving a quadrant of the field alone, and still know you had the tracking ability and speed to catch up to them yeah. and bait them into deep throws, plus just whatever they do wrinkle-wise pre-snap to create these, you know, um, you're giving them the impression of one coverage and actually doing something different and doing it just late enough that it makes them think. Yeah. No, I just, I'm just, I just think of uh, there's this play that Dan Orvalosky um, pulled out uh, the Colts, and I can't remember the name of the middle Pro Bowl middle linebacker for the Colts. Oh, Leonard. Yes. Yes, Leonard. Yeah. They had, you know, he was playing the middle. The running back goes in motion, so Leonard follows him. It's showing man coverage because he follows him, but then they run zone. I mean, it's just a total brain because they run zone behind it. Like, you have Leonard out there playing cover, too, which, you know, you just don't. It's And so, yeah, um, that reading the coverages are, are an important part of the game because that tells you what you're supposed to do on the route for the wide receivers. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just much more. And quarterbacks are kind of like, and I can imagine Rodgers being like, yeah, this is the tell here. This is the tell here that you need to know when he does this. And the receiver's like, I would have never thought of that. I, I've never seen, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it takes time. Um, so what about Malik Willis? Were you impressed? Um, were you impressed, but the preseason maybe is a little bar? Were you more, let's hold the phone on him. What? Where? Where do you stand? Can I can I give you know reminisce about some preseasons of the past before I give my answer? Um, Amir Abdullah, my Detroit Lions, he had like you know one run, one sixty yard runs versus the Jets, and his um, fantasy stock kind of skyrocketed. Go, going back even further than that, I don't know if you remember Rico Gathers, the tight end. I sure do. In the, in the preseason, you know, having a big two touchdown game, and then there was a point in which people thought very highly of Deshaun Kaiser coming out of, of Notre Dame had an excellent, an excellent preseason. Um, all that being said, I'm still impressed with Malik Willis. <laughs> I am impressed with Malik Willis, Willis because um, that athleticism is translating to the NFL from the G5 to the NFL. And that's not, that's not easy. Now, of course he was a one-time Auburn quarterback, Um and, you know, it's not like a, a, a Trey Lance. You know, Trey Lance got one offer to play safety at Minnesota, so it's not that. But uh, but that athleticism is translating to the NFL. The thing is, is like, so yes, I I, I am excited for him, but some of the plays that um, are making the highlight reels are, you know, a five or six yard throw where he makes some athletic you know, pirouette to throw it where he doesn't necessarily need to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know to what extent that athleticism is translating to um, what you need to see on the field. It looks nice. It's great. Um, but no, he's, he's shown that he belongs. He's shown that he belongs. And I think that that's what you can hope for given uh, where he fell in the draft. Yeah. And I, and, I think the plays that he made were impressive. I'm more on the hold the phone 
Um, and only just because um, maybe it's just the perspective and just being a grumpy old man who just like looks at this and go, okay, that's great. But we knew he could do this. Like no one's to me, like making the athletic throws outrunning the defense. I know he can do that. Like I know yeah. that there's that there. What I'm waiting to see is the moments where the defense says, okay, that's fine. You're going to make highlight plays, but are you going to win games? Because we're going to, because we're going to do things to make you, um, you know, play to your weaknesses or show that those aren't weaknesses for you. And, and is he going to continue to grow at that level? And when that happens, I think I'll be impressed. But I think that, you know, he's obviously going to get his chance to play at some point. He's going to get package plays and he's going to get his chance to be a starter in the NFL and he's going to make some huge plays. But is he going to get, is it year three, year four, where it's going to turn the corner? Or is the, are the Titans going to go, listen, it's been fun. We've had some moments that was great, but um, we're going to move on, you know? And that's what I, I want to see what, what happens here with Malik Willis and that end. What about Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota? Are they the reasons Kyle Pitts soars or is he going to be, is he going to be a little more boring in the sense that the the touchdown drought is still going to be, it's still going to be dry out here in Atlanta. <laughs> I, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be the, the reason that Kyle Pitts soars. I okay. Mean, no, right. he, he, he is an, he's an absolute, he's a mismatch. Um, we saw him get separation. I mean, he's someone who is is too big for your corners and too athletic for your safeties to cover. Now, now when the field condenses in the red zone and you can pay more attention to him, that's probably still going to be problematic. But I don't see why he can't um, be a, a focus of their passing game. And at the t- now, is he worth you know? multiple first round picks maybe maybe in the long run i don't know that he's going to be more productive than george kittle than travis kelsey this year than Dar- uh, darren waller this year um given the pieces that are surrounding him um so it's a it's a difficult question to ask because it's definitely based on the, on value and there are players who are going to be more productive but i don't we haven't seen we haven't seen the best of kyle pitts yet we probably won't he will probably still be very good but i don't know that it's going to be this year where we get, you know, that 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 breakout performance. We had to wait for Calvin Johnson for a few years until he was until he had Matthew Stafford. And it's probably going to be the same thing with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I think you're right with that because when you look at the I like Drake London, um, but do they have do they have a receiver who's truly gonna be the I'm gonna scare the primary cover corner and there and be able to beat him on any given play and i don't think drake london separation doesn't concern me but it's not tier one wide receiver level mike evans level of separation if you ask me i think it's good but not great he's more i think you want to see him play inside you want and then when he plays outside maybe you want a little more play action to help him or some double moves or you're having certain types of routes that may work well but he's not gonna i don't see him being that much of a matchup difficulty on a down and down out basis on the outside and then who do you have after that on that team i mean i i liked brian edwards coming out of school but he hasn't really shown much in terms of getting open and and then you look at the the rest there i mean th- there's just nobody there that stands out so that means that you really want 
Kyle Pitts to be that guy. And he might be that guy, but it doesn't take much pressure off of him. And then you have right. two quarterbacks who have a lot to prove right now, one being the rookie. And then, you know, Mariota in terms of just him being able to show that um, he's learned some things to be able to um, carry it as a, as a quarterback. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen in terms of how he handles the pocket. And this pocket is going to be iffy for him once again. Um, and he's not a he's a dynamic mover outside the pocket, but he's kind of more of a straight line guy in terms of running. And so it's when he buys time, he doesn't know how to maneuver, even in the way like nobody really maneuvers as well as Tom Brady in tight spaces. But, you know, there are there are a lot of quarterbacks who can do that to a to a degree and be effective. Mm -hmm. And that was one of Mariota's weak points, if you ask me, was efficient movement and keeping your eyes at the coverage and know and being confident about where to throw the ball and get it out there quickly. And with Ritter, it's kind of more like he's a young guy who's got a big arm and and you you know, I've seen him not know the difference between what's good leverage and bad leverage, and I have concerns about that. So I worry about Pitts. I think he's good enough, like you said, he's gonna be good. You're gonna see and he's gonna be yeah. fantasy good. But is he going to be worth his value? I agree with you. He probably won't be. So let's, you know, we're we're getting close to 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 wrapping this up. And and really, the thing that I want to cover that I want to ask you about and is just some college players. I mean, guys that you've watched that you're just excited about this year. Give me a sophomore, a junior, and a senior that that you that you are just you you're excited to talk to people about. Yeah, and I tried to, knowing this was coming, I tried to uh, pick some players who are going to be playing after this podcast is going to be released. So if you're listening to this, you can go watch these players. One of those players is playing uh, right now. That's Jake Hayner, uh, fifth or sixth year senior, senior at Fresno State, athletic mover, doesn't necessarily have the arm talent. I think he's a, probably a day three guy, but... We talked earlier about players coming through adversity. This is a guy who was a 2018 freshman at Washington, loses the job, you know, is there for a year, transfers to Fresno State. First year at Fresno State splits time. And then last year really had a breakout season, including beating um, number 13 UCLA on, uh, on the road at the Rose Bowl. One of the best college football games that you'll see. Uh, they were down some amount with about a minute left he drives them the length of the field and this is a player who his athleticism his movement in the pocket is how he plays the game he suffers gets a huge hit on that last drive can't move and on one leg takes his his team down the field he's a player that i would not bet against i just um uh i i, I think that he's going to figure figure out figure it out so he's a player that i would pay attention to not a player with a first-round ceiling at all. Um, so he's the senior. The junior is Anthony Richardson. Now we talk about ceilings. Uh, Anthony Richardson might be the most athletic player playing in college football or maybe in football period. You're talking about uh, a six foot four, um, two hundred and thirty-five-ish pounds, uh, very raw, but uh, coming out of high school, you know, in the 
elite 11 competitions could throw the ball 65 70 yards at that point as a freshman um we've got him timed over 21 miles per hour and you know some of the fastest times in the nfl last year were uh uh, jonathan taylor right around uh 22 miles per hour and so he's like uh, approaching that level but in a huge huge package um anthony richardson takes on utah on saturday And, and and just uh, a player with a very, very high ceiling hasn't hasn't had a low completion percentage, hasn't had a lot of reps because he's split time, but he's going to, he's the full time. He's the starter this year. And so I'm looking forward to seeing Anthony Richardson develop. And then Travion Henderson came in was the number one running back in his class, improved it very early on at Ohio state. He's the sophomore, the underclassman. So um, I think he reminds me a little bit of, of Reggie Bush back in the day. Um, compared to by 24 seven sports to Christian McCaffrey, but just an explosive runner, uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. A lot of his runs are through open hold, but once he gets to open space, he knows how to be efficient and, and make people miss. Um, so those are the three and, you know, the, the next time we do this, I'll give you, I can give you three more, uh, and c- could go on about these three, but senior, uh, sophomore, junior, senior, I'm, I'm giving you Jay Kaner, who's playing tonight. So you got to go back and watch the replay of his game. Anthony Richardson playing on Saturday night against Utah, and Travion Henderson in the marquee game of the weekend. Uh, Ohio State is playing Notre Dame. So check those three out. Beautiful. So who are some college players who are lesser known, but you think have a chance for a breakout that maybe the casual fan is going to learn about right quick and in a hurry this year? Yeah, and it's hard because I I don't know the, the definition definition of casual fan. I'm not sure you know the uh, who would know these players or not. So I'll I'll give you some names. Last year, um, when after the Alabama spring game, Nick Saban said we don't have any speed, so he goes and gets Ohio State's fourth wide receiver. That's Jamison Williams, who ends up being a first round pick. He does the same thing this year and goes and gets Jermaine Burton from uh, Georgia, national championship winning Georgia. Jermaine Burton coming out of high school was the fastest man at the opening. He ran a 4-3, And I know uh, Mr. Waldman is, is uh, speed is, is not everything, but this is, he had athleticism. I mean, he but, had broad but, jump. He had. But it's important at this level and it's noteworthy. Yes. So yes. yes. So, so yeah. But then shared the field with George Pickens as a freshman at um, at Georgia and was was very productive. Now we didn't see his potential because of the kind of the offense that they run, but at Alabama he's going to be playing with the Heisman Trophy winner, a, a, a player who um, uh, uh, it, who he can be used to stretch the field. He's going to be in the exposition the same way that Jamison Williams was last year, and they don't really have the same level of skill positions players at Alabama that they've had in years past. So. Jermaine Burton could be this year's Jamison Williams. So he's one. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. made Bruce Feldman's freak list who kind of moves like his father, but in a bigger package uh, at Ohio State. Now he's a sophomore this year. Uh, And then I want to give two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks. Um, Hunter Deckers out of Iowa State, who is a, uh, again, a a bigger 230, 6'2", 230 pound player who set the records for uh, total yardage in Iowa high school there who uh, 
Matt Campbell and his coaching staff actually pulled this four-year incumbent Brock Purdy last year in spots in their two biggest games against Oklahoma and Iowa. Did they pull Brock Purdy and um, try to and put Hunter Deckers in there to give the offense a, a, a spark? I just th- I think that it looks like he's an aggressive downfield thrower. He also has um, uh, some rushing ability, so I'm looking forward to him being a first-time starter. And then this one's the stretch, and you got to stay up, you know, late if you're on the East Coast. But Cameron Ward at Washington State. He transfers from Incarnate Ward. He takes his head coach Eric Morris who has been an assistant under both Cliff Kingsbury when Cliff Kingsbury was at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes and um, uh, Mike Leach comes from that Mike Leach air raid system. So um, Cameron Ward, Hunter Deckers, those are the quarterbacks, you know, that I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to their Cameron Ward started last year, but at, at a lower level, Hunter Deckers is a first year starter. And then Jermaine Burton and Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, I love Marvin Harrison Jr., and I do play in the Debbie League, and he was one. He was my pick last year. The minute I oh really yeah, I picked him okay. as a as my freshman because we I played in the school. I played in a league called the Grad School League with guys like um, Jeremy Hyde and Ryan Riddle and and Kyle Posey and a few folks who are fan, you know guys. And and what we do is we don't get to play college fantasy, but what we get is we get to pick one. Um, one freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior ah, at the position and hold them until they play. And then they okay. get, we can only hold the, the, we can only play our players for the first four years. And then they go into the player pool and they're not eligible anymore. So you, so the whole league is built on drafting players and getting them to play, perform early. So some leagues don't even have a, and you can only have two, you only have three quarterbacks on your roster. No, two quarterbacks on your roster. So some teams don't even have a quarterback that they can start because <laughs> the guy doesn't work out. So right, you, right, so you gotcha. it's so it's kind of cool in that respect. But Marvin Harrison is a big name there. But man, this was fantastic. I loved hearing the the thoughts about these college players and some of the stories about their backgrounds and where they come from and what they can do. And I and I hope you guys are looking forward to it as well because we're gonna do this a lot more often. Um you know, Felix, thank you again for joining me and, and listen, we're going to, we're, and we're going to do this again, you know, in the coming weeks and, you know, check out campus to Ken. you know, get, you know, if, if you're not getting a league this year, get a league for next year, figure out a league that you can do, because this is going to be a great way for you to really get into dynasty. Even if you've never done dynasty, you go, well, I'd be kind of intimidated by doing a, a college league at first. But think about that. That's like your work. It's like you're training at a high level. By the time you start doing regular dynasty leagues with people who who aren't doing it, you're going to be blowing people out of the water because you're going to know about all these people, you know, and we've got over a thousand. We've got over a thousand players ranked. If you want to play campus to get in every position, freshman, we've got three guides, a freshman and supplemental draft guide, a Debbie guide and a CFF guide. So look at that. Everything that you could, you, you need to kind of, dive into this format we've got you covered at campus see that that's it and we're going to access that information a lot more this season for sure um so on behalf of felix you know thanks again for listening and we'll see you guys next week